This is a fourth hand production. If you buy poisonous food, the cost to your body and your wallet and every part of your life is going to be extreme. People think going to McDonald's is convenient when it actually probably costs them an hour of energy per day and and months, if not years, decades on their life. It makes you feel like shit when you eat it, too. That's all the processed crap. Yeah. So we got to rethink convenience. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental I don't know, planes that they're building? Police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. This weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. Welcome to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. And I'm John, and our cohort, Josh, is feeling under the weather, so he's not going to join us because we don't want a toad on the podcast tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he is feeling under the weather. Miss you, Josh. You know, this was actually, you know, would have loved to have you, but yeah, these things happen. Um, I doubt it's what we think it is, just a cold. It's the wintertime. Cold goes around, so is the flu, and you know. I've actually got some something going on i got tested today actually oh did negative, you but i i have like a little i've got some vicks vapo rub on my on my chest today that's what i've been smelling God damn it dude yeah yeah, yeah from way, way over here <laughs> i love it yeah it just reminds me of taking ecstasy i'll tell you what okay <laughs> or am i kidding i don't know <laughs> i mean i haven't taken ecstasy in like 14 years but it always will remind me of that yeah but now that you say you know so speaking of the devil not to get too far off the subject but you brought up ecstasy so we're trapped now um have you ever heard <laughs> have you ever heard of something called kratom uh-uh. it, it's evidently some natural hallucinogenic herbal something that they sell in hmm. pill form and i was talking to a guy the other day he says dude if you you know because back the old hippie nice guy but you know he's done his fair share of acid at least i i'm pretty sure because he stares off sometimes just in the corner and just doesn't say anything. It's hard to get his attention. Hell of a guy, but he's just out there. But he goes, yeah, I took this stuff, and this is the greatest thing ever. And I guess it's illegal. FDA doesn't approve it, go figure, but you can get it, like, in certain stores, and I don't know. Anyway, something new that I did not know. But, um, yeah. No, Vicks VaporUp is good. It uh, definitely opens up your nasal passages, that's for sure. Yeah, Yeah, I've been just having a little cough congestion. That's why I got tested, because I'm like, well, I got my booster, fully vaccinated. Yeah, but they know. say the Omicron is like giving you like just mild symptoms and I don't want to go to work tomorrow and like, uh, yeah, yeah. be that guy. Even if I do have mild yeah. symptoms, you know, and I'm just like, oh, so, but I'm good. Wait a minute. You're being you know, responsible, John. God damn it. What's knock that shit off, first, sir. For the first time in my life. I know you and me both, man. <laughs> so anyway, now same here. We got some shit going on. We've got, uh, the company actually has, um, yeah, some weird new protocol and yeah, it, it is what it is. So yeah. Anyway, you know the nature, nature of the beast. I'm sure, but uh, uh, yeah. Oh, oh. I guess I'll. I'm going to steal it from you. I guess. Sure. Take it. Yeah. Well, today we have a little kind of off the beaten path episode for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not kind of our standard thing, um, but it is a very important topic. I think you'd agree. 
I hundred percent hands down. I, I, and you know what, honestly, it still kind of falls in that weird, strange conspiracist thing because I think there's something to be said about it to a point. We mm-hmm. talk a little bit after the interview, so it's not all, I don't think it's too far off the mark, but I'll tell you, honestly, it's not, you know, we're not talking about uh, UFOs or the Wolfman or exorcisms or anything to that nature. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It is so funny that what we're going to talk about does fall into some realm of conspiratorial, which absolutely is sad, kind of. It is actually. very sad. Um, yeah. But it is so funny that this topic kind of somehow loosely correlates to this podcast. It, it, it really does. I mean, very loosely. But we'll, sure. we're going to find that connection just yeah. to save our face. I mean, that's the least we can do. <laughs> yeah. But this guy, he's been on my list for a long time. I heard him uh, on another um, another uh, platform a long time ago, like last year. I've been meaning out to reach out to him, and I just found him. It's like, hey, you know, it's, hey, we'd love to have you come on. Um, and, and glad we did, you know, honestly. Mm. So Yeah, I learned a lot, and uh, I'm going to be probably hitting him up in the in the spring, summer, maybe with suggestions and yeah hookups and everything yeah well i'll tell you so uh the podcast did subscribe to their newsletter so i will forward that to you um as i get little hit tidbits because i the newsletter actually the layout's cool um we checked out the website the website is is very professional it's well it's well set up it's it's things you can find there's great faqs on well what about this and what about this and and i just i know it's very well done and and then at the end of the day the guy's energy behind it um, it was just, was awesome. You, you know, you really know that he's got, this is what he wants to do. This is the voice that he's found. He's making it work. He's making some money on the side, doing it. He's helping other people around the world. What he say, 14 countries they're, they're involved in, like just, just kind of cool on a huge global platform, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. Um, I think we should get into, get into the Absolutely. interview and, uh, let yeah. people meet, I don't know. Do we say who it is or do we just I, let the interview go, go ahead, John. Go ahead. I, I, <laughs> take it. I don't take know it, the sir. process of this. Do we just <laughs> yes, roll, into do. The, roll into the footage? Or, no. Uh, well, we got uh, – so we interviewed Jim Gale, um, and he's part of the Food Forest Abundance, and that's what our interview entails is about food forests and permaculture and the importance of growing your own food and becoming self-reliant and not – totally completely dependent on the government to give you your food. Yeah. Big box grocery stores, you know, the, the people that control most of, you know, your grains and your meats and your, you know, and like we said in the interview, in a weird way, it's a monopoly on its own. And so, yep. uh, you know, this gives you some, I don't know, you know, maybe it makes you guys think out of the box a little bit. I know it definitely did for us. And, um, yeah, again, hopefully you enjoy it, John. Thank you. Uh, this is an interview with, uh, Jim Gale. Open the gates. So as this crazy world continues to evolve, with the pandemic still wreaking havoc, inflation at a 30-year high, gas prices skyrocketing, as well as basic food prices, and never-before-seen natural disasters, it's an understatement to say that we are all just kind of fed the fuck up. But you ask, what is the alternative to all this? How can we help improve not only our little microcosm of the world, but lend a hand to try and improve the world as a whole? 
Well, our next guest will help tell us exactly how to do that. Using tools and techniques to help individuals become more sustainable, he and his team have been hard at work in refining and developing what is known as food forest abundance. Founded in 2020, it has paved the way to help people grow their own food and has blossomed into a global movement to help people become more self-reliant and push away the big box grocery stores that most of us have come to rely on. It is an immense pleasure to welcome on the show Jim Gale, who is the Chief Storyteller for Food Forest Abundance. Jim, welcome to Strange Uncles. Well, thank you so much, guys. Uh, It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. And I'll frame this conversation with a quote, one of my favorite quotes of all time. And the quote is from Victor Hugo. It, there's one thing stronger than all of the armies of the world, and that is an idea whose time has come. And I'll unpack that a little bit, because nice. all of the armies of the world are controlled by the govern, which means to control, and mente, which means mind. They're controlled by the governmente. And the governmente is the problem, and the solution to the problem is self-reliance. It's to be an anarchist, which simply means no ruler. I don't need anybody telling me how to be the author of my own life. I don't need authorities telling me not to go kill my neighbors. That's insane. In fact, it's extra insane when we realize that the governmentes are the ones doing all the killing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, true. I mean, here we are, you know, in this whole thing. And, and that's really the, the whole thing. You know, how do we, God, man, how do we own our own microcosm? And I, you know, we talk about this all the time on the podcast a bit. You know, we're surrounded by by just shit, right? I mean, they're between news and between everything else. And, you know, like John said earlier off, and we can get into it. Um, a man, I, one of the, he he's a great friend, a great buddy. And and it was awesome because him and his uh, partner decided, hey, we're going to do a food force. And they kind of got one off the ground. And I'm like, man. That is the coolest idea I think I've ever heard because you're owning you now. You know, so God, that, that's got to be the step in the right direction, right? It's the ultimate step. In permaculture, we like to turn the problem into the solution. If the problem is governmente, then how did it get this way? Well, this is where Henry Kissinger's quote um, and his not just his quote and not just the ramblings of a, of a madman but the strategy of a psychopath slave master, when he said, if you want to control nations, control oil, if you want to control people, control food. So if that's the problem, governmente, which is all the same families that have been in charge for thousands of years, actually, if, if they're the problem and food supply is the ultimate control mechanism, then the ultimate path to freedom is growing our own food. Yeah. So um, explain to our listeners, anybody that might not know what permaculture is. Mm. You got it. So permaculture is a agricultural design science uh, originally started by Bill Mollison and uh, David Holmgren. And by the way, by millions of people before them. It's just observing nature and finding out what works in a natural system and then implementing those techniques and those strategies and those design elements into a system that serves people. So for instance, when we look at our our yards right now, we've got 40 to 50 million acres of lawn in the United States alone. The lawn is the biggest mass brainwashing scam and tool of (laughs) enslavement of any freaking thing. 
Mm-hmm. When we turn 30% of that, let's say 50 million acres into regenerative edible landscapes using permaculture principles, then we can have a food forest that's actually less maintenance than a lawn. And that provides a whole stack of functions. And some of the functions, of course, free food. And then it also has habitat and healthier food, tastier food, habitat for birds and butterflies and bees and all sorts of life. So uh, really, permaculture is about creating a, an abundant society, not just a sustainable society, but a society that's radically abundant. Yeah, and you know what? I Honestly, I, yeah, I've rant a little bit here. I, I never understood lawns in general. I, I just... Yeah, yeah, they look pretty. You know, in the middle of what we're doing, like this year, for example, last year, record-breaking fires. We had forest fires. California's uh, how many years of a drought they kept going. People are literally, but they're still using the water. They're still keeping everything green. It, yeah. It's just, I never, I don't, I, I guess I don't understand the premise behind it. I, I've always been baffled with that whole thing, you know? Yeah. Well, I love, I love permaculture, and I just barely kind of, discovered permaculture through my partner. She's very, very passionate about it. Um, And what I love about it is you're not forcing the land that you're working with to do what you want. You're using what the land is telling you and just kind of going off of that and just kind of coexisting with the land rather than forcing the land to do something that you want. And I think that's really cool. Um, Stewarding. I love that word stewarding Stewarding. and allowing like we're, we're going from a culture of force and violence to a society of allowing. And Shane, you said something awesome. And I'd like to play off this for a sec. Um, You said that I've never understood that. And that is so true as, as a global society, we don't typically understand what the problem is, but once we do, then we've got to shine a big light on the problem. And then on the flip side of that, we have to shine a light. We get to not have to, that's a forced term. We get to, because it's good for us on every level, shine a light on the solution. Well, and I think too, some of it isn't a lot of it is just like, you know, and excuse my ignorance, I guess that's what our parents did. That's what we did. Like it's kind of in our culture. That's just what we know. It's tradition. Now everybody's always had this and that you watch your cars on Saturday, whatever that looks like. But I think that we get conditioned and, and I I don't necessarily know if that's a, well, it's not a good thing, you know, especially now. I'm definitely uh, part of that conditioning of loving the green lawn and everything. And that took, quite a few years after I bought my house to like, I mean, we tore up the front yard, Xeriscape that um, I still have a little patch in the back, but how do, how do we really address this lawn fixation? Because I am part of that. Like, I love the green lawn. Like I want to, you know, I, yeah. I, I mean, now I, now I like know it's ridiculous, but it's still nice to look at, I guess. You want to be that how, do we, how, do we, how do we achieve this? You know, like the lawn fixation. It, well, it's programmed, right? Goethe said, none are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. And when I first heard that, I said, bullshit, I'm not a fucking slave. I'm free. And then I started reflecting and going deep and say, well, wait a minute. If I make $100,000 because I created value for society and somebody voluntarily paid me for my value, and then 
somebody else comes in, an, an entity called mind control, and they say, you owe me 40% of that $100,000. And at the threat of violence, and then what are they going to do with that hundred, that $40,000? They're going to start wars? When we start realizing that the book 1984 has already happened, <laughs> they already have a freaking word hole and thought police and all this stuff. And they yeah. have. They've controlled the narrative since J.P. Morgan and his cronies and the Rothschilds and the Rockefeller fellas went and bought 75 of the 129 most um, prominent newspapers in the United States back 100 years ago. It's all about controlling the narrative. So to know that and to look at the lawn as a tool of enslavement is it all of a sudden becomes very ugly very quickly. When, once you see it, I think that's that, that's the thing yeah. is once you see it. So if you don't mind, Jim, I want to rewind a little bit, I guess, and go okay. back to what got you into, when did you realize, hey, you know what, this this is a thing, this is what I'm passionate about, this is where we're at. What did that look like for you? Oh, man, it looked like hell. I was, <laughs> um, I had had my first two daughters, and that as a father, as a parent, everybody knows that there's something magical that happens when you have kids. All of a sudden, there was something more important in this world than me. I would die, like most parents, for their kids. And then I started asking the question, what's the world going to be like in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? What's the world of my grandkids going to be like? Because I loved my childhood. I grew up on a lake. I was playing with frogs and snakes and turtles and fishing every day. And, and I knew where all the fruit trees in the neighborhood were. I knew where the apple trees were and the grapevines and the pear trees and all of it, right? And the raspberry bushes and the strawberries along the railroad tracks and all that. I didn't know that they sprayed poisons back then because I, I wasn't <laughs> aware, but I knew where everything was. And so I imagined that the world, well, at the same time as I had my daughters, I red-pilled. I, I learned about Building 7 and the free fall and all the crazy shit. And I, I had sold a mortgage company that did about $1.3 billion in, in revenue, and I was free to study. And so I went down every rabbit hole that I was aware of, and I also found permaculture. And that's when I learned that not only are there psychopaths controlling our world, but that we are destroyed. Those psychopaths are the poison producers and the poison mandators. And I learned that they're literally destroying our world in a way that's radically unsustainable and will definitely lead to the death of everything. And the main company that owns this whole thing, it happens to be called Black Rock. It's not Green Rock or Abundance Rock. It's freaking Black Rock. That is the intention. And that was the hardest thing to get through. So it took me about two years of hardcore cognitive dissonance. And then I read Bill Mollison's quote. Though the problems of our world are increasingly complex, the solutions remain embarrassingly simple. And I started bawling. And from that day, about 12 years ago, I've been focused on the solution. Yeah. Wow. I I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, and, and I don't know if this is, I think I read this other day when we talk about like, you know, in the intro, we introduced you. Um, you know, getting away from the big box stores, getting away from the grocery stores. Isn't there like six or seven companies that mainly run our food? Like it's just such a, it's almost a monopoly in its own way, right? Yep. Kissinger's strategy. This guy who's met with every U.S. president. Why? As the council, head of the Council of Foreign Relations, right? 
how does he get to meet with every president? Well, um, because his strategy was to centralize the food supply chain and turn that into the control grid. It used to be normal permaculture, maybe not as is scientific and as smart as it is now, of course, because we've added knowledge, but permaculture used to be the norm. And so they decided the only way to, to get their goal of totalitarian control was to completely control the food supply chain. Yeah. I mean, that's how do you, uh, so can you explain a food forest to me? Yes. A food forest is a stack of, of food and elements that might include chickens and cows and pigs. If people don't want chickens and cows and pigs, then it's typically a stack of different edible and medicinal plants and their functional component plants. For instance, um, like our target market is the suburban backyard. And that's very strategic because Mm -hmm. that's where the lawn is. That's where the resources are. That's where the money is. And when we can transform that, then the rest of it just happens automatically. So if we go into, let's say, a third of an acre suburban backyard, we plant 27 different fruit trees with maybe 20 variety of fruit trees. Sometimes you want two of the same variety. Other times you don't need two. And then underneath those, you create guilds or communities of plants where for ground cover, you might have potatoes or sweet potatoes or mimosa or pigeon peat. And some of these plants are nitrogen fixers. Some of them are also edible. And then you bring in your flowering plants. Many of them are also medicinal and edible. The flowering plants not only provide the function of beauty, but they also bring in the butterflies and the bees and the hummingbirds. And they become the pollinators that pollinate and allow you to have more food production. So it's a, a food forest is a stack that starts underground. And then you can have mushrooms and the herbaceous layer. Then you have the shorter shrub bushes that provide food and medicine, the taller ones, then the shorter fruit trees and the taller fruit trees. And then you've got the vining plants that climb up the fences and some of the fruit trees. So in one area, instead of having one fruit tree, you can have 15, 20, even 30 different species of edible and medicinals. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm. We're, uh, we're currently trying to work on that right now. Um, and it's fascinating just like, you know, planting garlic or onion around a thing to protect your trees. And just like, it, it's like creating an ecosystem is really, I, that's really ins- fun it's insane. I mean, it's, it's really that you can do that. Like, just like you would walk into nature, like you're creating this little bubble, you know? So here's the thing that I get a lot of, I guess my question, one of the reasons that we didn't really dive into it. Um, and I think we talked about this uh, off air before we started recording um, the wife and I, you know, inspired a little bit by, you know, John, because you know, him and his partner, what they did and they, you already have a zero scape front lawn, you know, you got rid of your lawn. This is what we have there. Um, and the wife and I are like, you know, this year we're going to do it. And, and we were, I'll be honest with you, Jim, we, it, it, it shroud from, I go to the grocery store and I buy three or four different things for you know, a few dinners, whatever have you. Usually it comes to a certain amount. And now all of a sudden it's $40 more, $60 more. And I'm like, wait a minute. You look at the receipt. You say, you know, what? what's on here that I can't grow? What's on here that I can't? So we, we are going to make that plunge this year. We're going to go, you know what? This is what we're going to do. We're going to kind of design it. People like you, the company you have. But yeah. I would get we get pushback from our family a bit. And, and again, just a kind of a side conversation over the holidays is well, you guys can't do that. You live in town. I'm like, well, 
but but we've got a lot. So, and there's a front yard and there's a backyard. I, what do you say to the people that just feel like they're pigeonholed? This is not really an option. Oh gosh, I, I I show them a design and I show them an example. What we get to do is demonstrate what's possible. So my partner, Dr. Ian Scott, he's got a tenth of an acre backyard. He's got 108 hmm. or maybe now 120 different plants, 63 different varieties on a tenth of an acre. Wow. And what's his life and everybody's life going to be like when they can eat one healthy homegrown meal per day per family? It's going to change your life because that food, nature has a way. It's perfection. It's the most efficient system that we can't even comprehend the complexity of, right? It's call it source or nature or God, whatever you want to call it. It's absolutely divine. And so one healthy homegrown meal, in fact, like let's say you pick a peach that's vine ripe. It's going to be more nutrient dense. It's going to taste better than something that was picked and sprayed and messed with for the, the whole lifespan. Of Mutated, the, of changed, the GMOs, all that other crap that goes into, you know, right. when you go into the store with. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So this is the best insurance in the world is having one healthy homegrown meal a day. And then people think it's hard when you have a food forest of perennial plants. The return on time and money invested is off the charts. You know, a lot, I like to basically shine a light on this from all these different perspectives to break up the BS, the bad science, the belief systems and the bullshit about growing food. It's easy as heck. And and yes, there are harder ways to do it. You could have annuals, you could have row crops, you could have mono crops where you need all this equipment to harvest your food and bringing it to market is also that's a lot of work. But when you actually just want to go have food freedom in your backyard, it's We've got food force all over Florida now where we've let them go for 14 months and done zero maintenance and huh. they're loaded with food. I'll be, okay. So yeah, there, there's, Oh, go ahead. John. Oh, go, oh, well, I was going to say that was kind of uh, my partner and I's motivation to go from an annual garden. Cause we have our garden area <clears throat> is about 2,500 square feet. And then we've got another, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. Uh, we've got like a berry patch hops and all sorts of berries and all that. But every summer we would just be annually gardening and just like, you know, it was just middle of July, August. It's just so much work to do this and do this. And that's why last year we were like, you know, screw this. We're going to plant a food forest and just not do anything. Right. And reap the rewards. And, um, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but like, I've kind of just been on this journey for the past few years. And so it's, um, yeah, it's just kind of nice to talk to someone that knows way more than we do. Cause you know, it's just, yeah. I meet people every day that know way more than I do about a lot of the different (laughs) components. My intention, my strategy, knowing who I am, I am not a detail guy. I never Mm -hmm. have been. In fact, if they would have had ADD label as a kid, I would have been labeled ADD, but I cherish my ADD because I don't want to pay attention to that shit. I Mm. want to pay attention to what I want to pay attention to. And so I've worked that and I've cultivated and nourished that. And so I look at the world, I look at the whole system from a kind of a fourth position in neurolinguistics, kind of a worldview. And I say, where are the pieces of the puzzle that are missing? And 
the when you ask a question obsessively for 14 years, and, and actually this is also a strategy, I have turned it into an obsession from an obsession to a joyful obsession. And when I made that nice. shift from a fear-based obsession, a worry or concern-based or an effort-based obsession to a joyful obsession, that's when the magic started happening. Once I raised above the fear and the worry, because I was losing, I, I made like zero to $20 million and I went down to negative $80,000. I had 10 grand left on my credit cards when the show launched nine months ago. And now millions have come in again. It's It's been an absolutely magical ride. Well, and I guess, so and I guess that's my question, you know, so you founded, well, your website in 2020, were you doing the food, food force abundance or some way, shape or form before that? Like how long has this idea been seated on your side? I love that. So 14 years ago, I was um, developing a golf course community in Costa Rica. And the first thing I did was plant a fruit tree nursery. And then I, my vision was, and this was 2007, eight. My vision was to plant fruit trees of the Costa Rican variety of radical abundance and diversity up and down every fairway and have it be the most natural, biological, beautiful golf course on the planet. The, the, the shit hit the fan, the economy collapsed, and I got out of that, left it all. And I'm glad I did because nothing's happened since then. Mm. Then I moved to another community up in the mountains. And the first thing we did there was buy a, a nursery out. We bought all the fruit trees. It was like 3,500 fruit trees. And we started planting those fruit trees. And I invited people, and it was 2011, 12 at this time. And this is where I learned the lesson I needed to learn. We invited people up without really taking a good look at who they were. Um, A lot of people that come to Costa Rica are running from something, right? And we didn't ask the same questions that I do now. And I'm going to get into this because this is, this has been the most important business revelation of my life. We invited everybody. There was hardcore Democrats, hardcore Republicans, incredibly religious people. There was incredibly atheistic people. There was polarity to the max and everybody was still getting along because it was generally really good energy until the election cycle of 2012. Isn't that something And else? then Jesus. it was freaking chaos. Best friends had never talked politics. We had one restaurant in the community. They couldn't even go to the restaurant at the same time. This was the norm. So, so how that's relevant to today is now I tell everybody I'm working with at the very beginning, that if I'm not for mandates, I am not for force and violence, I am not for socialism and communism, which are rooted in force and violence. I am for the voluntary, peaceful exchange of value. And one out of 15 people say, you're crazy, and they're, they hang up on me. And I say, thank God, because that would have been a problem down the road. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You call out it from the beginning. Yeah. No, yep. I see that. Yeah. Um. So... I have a question. Uh, is a food force only achievable if you have money and land and a kind of a two-parter, like what advice would you give to someone that lives in an apartment or that has just a tiny yard yeah. or something like that? I love it. We just did a design the other day for a 400 square foot food forest and we wow. stacked the heck out of it, right? That's on the wow. low end. You know, if you can get one or two fruit trees into a like overstory trees into a system and then create a guild around them, it's a good idea. Um, if you don't have any money, you can spend what you normally spend at the grocery store, adding a couple bucks and buy organic, 
which by the way, is not more expensive than non-organic when you look at it from the from a, a more realistic perspective. If you buy poisonous food, the cost to your body and your wallet and every part oh, of your life yeah, is going to be extreme. People think going to McDonald's is convenient when it actually probably costs them an hour of energy per day and and months, if not years, decades on their life. It makes you so feel like gotta, shit when you eat it too. That's yes. all the processed so, crap. Yeah. So we got to rethink convenience. So anyway, you take that 20 bucks and you go to the store and you buy organic vegetables that have seeds and then you propagate. You can actually take those seeds, go to YouTube and, and, and type in, how do I propagate tomatoes from seed? How do I potatoes and sweet potatoes and all these different fruits? And you can start growing your own food just based on the food you buy at the store. That, yeah. Absolutely. That's amazing. So I've got some questions on that. We're going to take a quick break, Jim, if you don't mind. Um, And I've got some questions to follow up because this is where it gets in a little. It goes back to how do you convince people that it's actually this is an easier route when they can't see that this is an easier route. And and so I want to ask those questions when we come back. So if you want to stand by with us, we'll be right back. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. All right, and we are back with Jim Gale of from Food Forest Abundance. Um, so we left off talking about John had asked a question about um, how do you you know you're talking about propagating organics and all this other stuff. You and I and I think this is really what we wanted to get into on this podcast is trying to trying to tell people you know you can do this. This is in your wheelhouse. You know, this isn't something that you got to go to school for. This isn't something that you got to take hours and hours on time. You know, this is really easier than you think it is. So when you talk about a food forest, you talk about saying something inside. I got an example in my basement. I've got a weird corner in my basement. I don't know what to do with. When you talk versus outside versus inside, what are the options there? If somebody has just this dead space in their house, and, and I live in Spokane, Washington, we got a lot of old turn-of-the-century homes that just have a danky old basement. What does that look like for people as far as growing something inside and trying to do it even yearly, uh, year, all year long? Yeah. So inside, typically, we and we do design indoor systems as well. Typically, they're based in annuals. You know, microgreens are phenomenal. If if you have coffee every day, a lot of people have coffee every day and coffee, and it takes them a minute, let's say, to brew their coffee. If you spend that same minute or another minute, you can grow microgreens. That's how easy hmm. it is. You lay the seeds out on the soil or a mat. You spray them, which takes like 15 squirts with a, a squirt gun um, or a squirt bottle. And now you've got microgreens that are about between 4 and 40 times more nutrient-dense than their adult counterparts. They're incredibly tasty and they're super easy to grow. So there's all sorts of ways you can grow indoors. Thanks to the cannabis industry, especially because they've taught us about lighting. They've taught us about nutrients and indoor soil, all sorts of stuff. So you can have a full food forest 
although it's usually going to be annuals. Some trees like moringa and lemons, some people grow those inside, but it's not quite as easy. Right, right. Well, you talk about annuals. Uh, so outside with annuals, you know, because I mean, we're I've been a meat and potato fan for my whole life. So potatoes, carrots, these things that, you know, obviously you're going to have, I would think, a little bit of mix of them into your equation when you're building that for us or, a se- uh, uh, I guess, a separate section to put that in because those are things we plant every single year and I just can't see getting away from them necessarily versus a food forest that is just evolving and you can leave it be. Yeah, you can leave it be. And don't get me wrong. I love annuals as well, especially right now because there's a major problem with the food supply chain in the short term. In fact, everybody's noticed the price of some meats have went up a hundred or more percent. The price of most food has went up 20, 30, 40%. So annuals are very important right now. And one of the things that I love to do is to inspire, to inspirit people, to be enthusiastic about this, to be, uh, to help raise the energy and to become aware that this is freaking awesome. Like when you spend time growing food, it will make you healthier on a metaphysical level as well. So this is a good replacement. Like, let's say you don't have time to go to the gym. Well, then spend a half an hour growing food. And that has been shown to be as, as healthy for your mind and body as exercise and okay. yoga and meditation. Because you're actually seeing something from it. I mean, you know, we again, back to John and, and his partner and myself, my wife, you know, we had kind of, I guess, a community huh. garden, John, kind of, sort of. Yeah, but, man, it was absolutely you know, a community garden. Yeah. We go over there and we'd weed and we'd and shit. I felt, you know, at the end of the afternoon, you're like, God damn, I put a lot of work into that. But yeah. after after the fact, after everything is done, you know, what you get out of it. And I and you know, sad in this day and age, I think a lot of that's missing maybe with just these inner rewards that you can make as as just a human being on the planet. I think I think there's a disconnect. Well, I know there's a disconnect. And then you add a pandemic into it. And you add everything else with your job. We've done, of course, your website and and what you perform. Have have you seen a a boost? More people involved into it pre COVID versus during COVID. It, has any of that oh. shifted? Oh, it's been incredible. One of the neatest things that I heard lately was David Ike. He said a lot of people are coming up to him and saying, "I can't believe more people aren't waking up." And he said, "Are you kidding me?" He said, "I've been at this thirty years." People are waking up exponentially fast right now. And the same experience for us. So after the Costa Rican experience, I built these fancy greenhouses, designed all this neat stuff all along the path of learning the idea whose time has come. Like, what is that idea? And it's this like this analogy of the light bulb. They say it was uh, Edison when it was really probably Tesla, right? You know, it, it, it takes some effort and some tries to get it wrong a few times. Until I finally just settled into the permaculture principles. They have it all figured out. And I was trying to, I was trying to figure out an easier way when the permaculture principles are the easier way. So anyway, in 2020, I had a store at the mall and I was demonstrating food forestry. It was the coolest mall or kiosk. It was all living. And then it closed down because of the COVID. Well, not because of COVID. It because of government. And that was, in fact, that's what a lot of people get wrong. They think that COVID was the reason for shutdown. Bullshit. Government is the reason for shutdown. Anyway, mm-hmm. I went full at it. And I started speaking my mind more than I ever had. And the business 
we literally launched our company on Earth Day of this year. Oh, and cool. since then, our business has grown to about 16, 17 different countries, almost every state in the nation, TV shows, podcasts. It's just been incredible. Yeah, that just... I, a success story, which I, I think is amazing. Again, it goes back to, you know, how do we own our little microcosm? You know, how do we pull that off? You know, and it's easier said than done. Well, yeah. when you're, uh, when you're designing, when you're creating a blueprint for somebody, what does that process look like? Oh, great question. So we start with, we have a team of now about 30 permaculture designers. And these are folks that make a living by designing sustainable and regenerative agriculture for people's yards and for larger scale as well. And so we start by looking at the zone. The first and most important thing is can plants grow naturally in your area? And then we use those plants. And by the way, there's another thing that a lot of people aren't aware of is there is such an abundance of diversity. In fact, just in the last maybe 20 years, thanks to the internet, the growers around the world have put in databases of what plants are growing in all these different zones. Oh. And it's 10 X, you know, like my friends in Minnesota, they say, Oh, I can't grow a permaculture food forest because I live in Minnesota. It's too cold. Well, I've got a friend, Chad Johnson, on the tip of Lake Superior, where it's freaking <laughs> cold. He's got 300 different species of edible and medicinal plants growing in his food forest. Wow. And he's got animals coming in that aren't even supposed to be in the United States. Like, they've never seen them. He's created the garden, like a Garden of Eden scenario. And here's what's the most magical part about this. These systems, when they're designed and installed properly, using these principles... They're expansive by their very nature. He estimates that thousands of plants have been planted in the forest around his food forest, thanks to the birds and the animals oh. and the wind and the water. Isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so, so, so what you're saying, Jim, is knock off the bullshit excuses. Anybody can do this wherever they're at. I mean, that's, that's what I'm right. Saying. Even if you're living, yeah. you know, living in an apartment, you can do a, a patio herb garden. It, it's not that hard. If you you yes. just adapt to what you have around you, you know. Yeah, it's I was always hard. Go ahead. I was always just wondering. I'm like, well, why? Why? So I live in Salt Lake City, and we have the mountains just right there. And I was always wondering why? Why aren't the mountains right there just covered in bullshit weeds and just like just covered in foxtails and goat heads and just all the stuff that is in my neighborhood kind of around like all these crappy weeds that just take up. And it's just like, well, there's good. The soil is good. Like there's like real things can grow there. And I, and when you grow a food forest, you kind of realize the importance of soil and like contributing to soil biology and everything. And that, that was a shift in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, why, like, and, and everywhere has nature, right? Like Minnesota everywhere. has everywhere. Minnesota Somewhere. has things growing naturally without just bullshit weeds. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, and the, the idea too of weeds, every plant in a natural system has a very important function. Mm-hmm. No, like when I was growing up, I was maybe seven or eight years old and there were dandelions in the yard. And I'll never forget my parents saying, those are weeds. Those are bad. We don't want those. And internally, I'm like, bullshit. I love that thing. I didn't have any idea that it's one of the most medicinal and beneficial plants on the planet. Mm -hmm. And it has a function. It actually, it it germinates in soil that needs its help. 
if soil is super healthy, dandelions won't grow in that soil. And that's, and that's the magic of this system. Yeah. Do you have a, uh, so do you have any advice to people that really care about, you know, how, how everything looks and they like, they have grow boxes and they think they're gardening through grow boxes, but they're really not contributing to nothing is regenerative um, and they don't really mm-hmm. contribute to soil biology by any means, because it's all kind of stuck in those grow boxes. Like, how do you, how do you explain that? Well, to what advice would you give to these, yeah. these people? I would say even a grow box can have a really good function. If you're, if you're building soil using compost and, and building soil in a grow box, that could be a very good value. You know, mm-hmm. people might have grow boxes in their windows. They might produce one or two salads and a few other things a week. Well, that's probably the healthiest things to eat all week, right? So there's, yeah. it's really a matter of what's available for the person. If you live in an apartment, you can have grow boxes. You can turn half of one of your bedrooms into a growing system. Um, mm. You can literally anywhere you're at, you can grow food. And, and we also mentioned the word, it's, sometimes it's hard to. It's infinitely harder not to when we look at what's coming down the pike, Right. This is something that we either adopt this new way, this regenerative and sustainable and abundant way, or we don't and we die. But if we do, we thrive. So which one do we want? Right. Yeah. 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 And, and part of, you know, a lot of it too, is just, uh, if nothing else, especially in the middle of what we're going through, you know, your, your quarantines, your this and that, man, the collaboration on its own on just doing this and getting out. And, and I always got a smile on my face when I see like community gardens and we have a bunch in the city of Spokane where, you know, people just, they all, they got a box, they grow what they want to do. And you see 10 people working in this, you know, a two acre area. It's just, it's just neat to see. But at the same it's time, beautiful. people don't realize you, you can do that in your own house. And, and so here's a question that, and I may, I don't know if this is wrong or right, but I'm, I, I heard this and I guess, you know, you're the expert to talk about this. When you talk about back to lawns again, my pet peeve, I, you know, I yell at kids yeah. when they're on it. I just hate lawns. Anyway, yeah. grass in general isn't very healthy, is it? Like, it's just not really great for the soil in its own thing yeah Yeah. lawns take more human resources and more poisons than any other crop they are the most Mm. destructive crop by far in our system and again they don't provide food so our lawns can they be of value absolutely they can be of value but they're it's it's the balance that's incredibly out of whack like lawns are good for erosion control and they're good if you, if you, I, I mean, I love playing soccer or, or baseball or golf, right? Right, right. They have a purpose. That, yeah. Yeah. This idea that somehow we shouldn't have golf courses or these games is totally bass backwards. When we do the simplest thing and turn the edges of these systems into food forests, we can have more golf courses and more baseball games and all that stuff. How do you, how do you find that balance? Because in my, yeah. This is kind of mine and my partner's dilemma because we have a huge backyard and we have a lot of it dedicated to our garden, but I do have a decent chunk that is just grass. And if I'm going to have grass, it's going to be green. And I have a dog that I want to have some grass. Like, where do you find that balance? Like any advice to me personally, really like what, like, and are there better alternatives to grass for my dog for like, 
you know, garden parties. That's a great question. Well, I tell you, I like the work in the edges. And that's one of the permaculture principles. If, if Let's say you have a normal rectangular or whatever your shape of your backyard is. If you take four to six feet of the edge of your backyard and maybe 20 feet in the corners, just by working the edges, you can have an incredible amount of food growing in your yard and you can still have your lawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually do have just a straight rectangular thing talking about the edges. I have a chicken tunnel going <laughs> on the very border of my yard, but that's all the way in the back. And I just, I guess I can just turn my lawn into more food forest, I guess, really. Yes. Take yes. up that. Yeah. Over time, you'll find a balance that's right for you and your family. Um, I often walk around the HOA community here and I shine a light on all the ornamental plants. Ornamentals are insane when it comes to what's possible, relative to what's possible. If we just turn the HOA ornamental landscapes into food producing landscapes, the value of these communities would go skyrocketing. In fact, we've had like four developers costs in the last week and two of them are major developers and they want to develop food forest communities. This is a new trend that will change the world radically. That's amazing. How do you get, how would you go about changing an HOA to allow that kind of thing? It by demonstrating what's possible and it's already happening because people are becoming aware of the food supply chain issues. It's going to just happen. In fact, I'm doing it here against HOA rules and I'm waiting for them to come get me because (laughs) I'm going to shine a light on that and I'm going to fight it and I'm going to fight it publicly and they're going to lose. Because I've got all the facts on my side. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that has uh, attracted me to this kind of uh, movement. If, you know, lack of a better term is I grew up with punk rock and I played punk rock music my whole life. And I think there's nothing more punk rock than growing a garden, growing a food forest, being self-reliable, being sustainable. Like it is the biggest middle finger you can give to, you know, quote unquote, the man or right. you know, the, the, the organized. Wanna, yeah, yeah, yeah. However yeah. you want to say that. Yeah. And, yeah. and here, here's the thing. And HOA don't even fuck, pisses me off. Anyway, you're going to tell me what color my house can be painted, but I'm paying the mortgage on it. Kiss my yeah. ass. I, I don't, I don't understand communities like that, but there's a lot of us that live in communities like that because that's, you know, kind of the nature of the beast, I suppose, you know, but um, that's awesome. I, I love hearing that, especially when you have a group like that, that you can convince them. No, look, this is an alternative way. This is the way we're going. So, so I guess my question for the future a bit, you know, and like I said, we can kind of wrap it up and I, I, you're just your expertise on it. You know, I'm excited to get, like, I've got a plot drawn out. I already told John, I says, Hey, I'm going to bug you and your partner. And you know, Hey, I'm, I'm stuck here. What do you, what'd you guys do here? And, and we're going to try to make it work. What is you, when you look at your end goal, what you've been doing with your company, the people that you've seen evolved, the the sustainability you've seen, more people get on this bandwagon, get on what this yep. looks like. Where do you see us in, you know, fast forward five years, barring the pandemic or whatever have you, what's that look yeah. like to you as a long term? Well, there's three kind of possibilities. We kind of glide along and stay where we're at, or everything completely collapses and needs to rebuild or we're completely slaves <laughs> uh, or dead, right? Yeah, yeah. And right. here's what I envision I envision a shift in consciousness that leads to mass adoption of this logical next step. 
and I'm going to do everything in my power and invite everybody else to join me. Um, we just created a board of directors that includes three Emmy Award winners. And wow. we've got, in fact, I can share one of the stories um, after launch. And this is, there's absolutely miraculous stuff happening around this. I get a call from, I'm not much of a TV watcher, but my favorite TV show of all time, at least back 20 years ago, was The Crocodile Hunter. I get a call from the producer of The Crocodile Hunter. And he wants to do a show featuring myself and my vision for society. Two days later, I get a call from my favorite actor, um, the, the entourage of uh, Vincent Chase or Adrian. He calls oh. me up and says, let's do, a sh- let's, let's do a food for us. So we put the two together and we created a pilot called The Land of Plenty. And this is now going to come to market here this year. And it's the first of many. And that is going to inspire millions of people. We've also got probably the fastest growing cooperative in history. Um, We're almost at 100 co-ops around the world now. And the cooperative's business, in fact, if anybody listening wants a new career, helping people to be free and helping people to grow food, it's the most incredible career I can imagine. And we now have all these cooperatives and their job their career, their joyful duty is to help their neighbors grow food. And it's profitable. It's a really good business model. So that's scaling. And I want to share one more thing regarding that. It's kind of relevant is I actually spent about a quarter million dollars working on a franchise system that involved fancy greenhouses and all these different patents and all this bullshit. I threw basically 330 pages of government lawyer bullshit in the trash and now we have a two-page document and it's based on the voluntary exchange of value we have no patents no ndas no non-competes we just want to help people grow food and it's it's really exciting to see the growth of it all man i wish more people would catch on to just you know paying it forward can be one of the best things you can do no matter what method you're doing it with you know as long as you're in check Watching out for your fellow man to me is so yeah. important, and and I and in this day and age, it it's tough to come by sometimes, and and it's kind of sad, you know. Oh gosh, I'm so glad you brought that up, Shane, because I'm going to share another strategy that we have. So our company, we're going to have um, the ten board members that are going to be all kind of world renowned, and we're going to basically give back but it's a very strategic giving 80% of our profits on a month over month basis. And we're going to specifically give them back by planting food forests in public areas. Oh, wow. Yep. And here's the functionality of that. One is that becomes marketing for our company. Two is it creates freedom for that community. Three is it becomes a foundation for the cooperative partner that is in that area And it also becomes part of the food supply chain, which is incredibly important right now. So everything we're doing is incredibly beneficial to society. And it's also self-serving. That's that's actually phenomenal. I I wish I heard more stories like that because that's amazing. You know, that is amazing. Um, So I only have one last question on my side. And I I caught it on uh, something else you were talking about. When you you talk about the, the some of the biggest world problems and what a food force can change with those world problems. Yeah. Can you end with that? Because to me, that was pretty enlightening. Oh, gosh, yeah. Okay, so mass adoption of what I'm talking about, demonstrably, absolutely factually, will reverse deforestation because almost all deforestation has to do with agriculture. 
-hmm. It will reverse mass extinction by way of reversing deforestation. It'll take out the poisons and the poison producers, which are the control grid that's really behind all of the destruction of our world. It'll reverse disease, cancer, diabetes, heart disease trends. It will solve all of the tyrannical problems in our world. This idea whose time has come solves all of it. Like you said earlier, what did Victor Hugo say? It's so easy. It's, it's, it's right there. So, yes. You know? well, uh, uh, Bill Molson said it's embarrassingly simple. Oh, yeah. And Victor Hugo said this is the idea whose time has come. Yeah. The Garden of Eden from that context is the idea whose time has come. That, that's amazing. That is awesome. Incredible. Yeah. 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 No, I, you know, I don't have anything else other than just, you know, so I subscribe to your newsletter, you know, want to yeah. keep that into check, you know, go that, we said the wife and I are going to make this plunge this is what we're going to do. Um, you know, I, I hope more people get involved. I hope people, and I think the questions I had on my side, different from what John's was, was trying to counterbalance the people who were just going to go, no, fuck that. Oh, we can't do it. You know, it's not a thing. It, it's not, it's not in our capability. No, it really is. It's not that hard. You, you just, it's about deprogramming. And so we've been programmed yeah. for so long in a certain way. How yeah. do you change and flip that around? And I'll tell you, you know, you talk about your show, your reality show that you have or what's coming out with, um, with, with a pilot. And hopefully the, I can't wait to see it. I think that's great. Um, years ago, and I kind of can't remember, Ed Bagley Jr. had a show where he was in California and, and he was the first one that actually had a name behind himself that was trying to do, trying to live good. Like yeah. he had the first smart car. He had gardens in his bathroom. He had like this guy. It's just crazy. And it just inspired me way back when it's like this, you know, you can do this no matter where you're at. It's doable to live with yep. nature because as human beings, we're the only species that will destroy what we have around us to make it work for us. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I never got that, you know, and it doesn't work for us. I, it, no. it doesn't. It does. In the long in the term. Long it doesn't. Run, yeah. In yeah. the long run, it yeah. destroys us yeah. and everything yep. else. Yep. And and to look at the long run is so important. But Shane, I'm sorry, you were saying? No, no, that's I, I was in it with that. You're right. I mean, people like that short term thing. And, and, you know, it's getting worse, I think, with uh, media and everything else. It, it's so, you know, our minds are just so reflected on what we see. And then we're going to, you know, yep. mimic what we there, there's nothing where you can't think nobody wants to think down the road, what that looks yeah. like. I don't know whether they don't have the energy or they don't have the time. I, you know, we all have time at least a little bit. You know, we should we should take more precedence and being better people. But uh, and do it for selfish reasons. When we start growing food at home, it's going to be the best thing that we could do for ourselves. And when that sinks in, then it's hard not to. It's infinitely harder not to as an individual, as a family, as a community, Mm -hmm. as, as a global community. There's one path forward, and that's regenerative, sustainable and abundant or it's death. Yep. Once you plant the seed, right? That's all it takes. Yep. Literally. Yep. So, yep. Jim, what can we do for you? Do you have anything on your side, uh, promotions, anything up and coming? How can we help you out? Oh, man. That's, thank you so much for asking. So if anybody out there would like a food forest landscape blueprint for your yard, every blueprint we do is custom. It's an incredible process. So we could do that. If you want to have a career helping people grow food, We would love to talk with you about this career. It's fantastic. And if you just want to have help and support, then just join our one of our our groups, Telegram or any of these groups out there. And we're constantly giving you know ideas and tips and techniques on how you can join the freedom movement 
and, and just enjoy life. And really what I'm asking people to do is rise up above the fear and the rage and the pride and the shame and all that shit and just freaking enjoy life and live free, live courageous and faithful and do not comply with tyranny. Well said. Well said for sure. Um, we're going to pull out the show notes. We'll put the links in the show notes. Uh, like I said, we're subscribed to the newsletter, so we're good there. And then, uh, yeah, man, uh, Jim, keep us updated as you go and everything that you're working on. You know, it's been great having you on. Um, if you don't mind, stay on the, the line. We're going to thank you off air. But everybody, that was Jim Gale from Food, Forest, Abundance, and a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of information. Hopefully, our listeners take that, uh, take that to heart. So, Thank you, guys. Much appreciated. Thank Thanks, Jim. All right. That, yeah. Uh, awesome. Awesome individual. Um, I, so, and again, you know, we talked about this a little bit, you know, off air, you had a premise you were going down, something you kind of read in my mind um, because he's, he's right. When you talk about, I don't know, you go ahead and kick it off, John, you worded it. Very well, yeah. Well. I mean, I think, you know, he, it sounds like he is into a little bit of, excuse me, like uh, some type of conspiracies and everything. But mm-hmm. I think with this, with the food and everything there is, there could be conceived a type of conspiracy with it. And I don't know if it's a direct conspiracy, like the people like that are controlling the food are really behind closed doors being like, yes, this is what we'll do. We'll do this. But I mean, they are doing these like single crop giant farms, destroying the land because they're not like, all right, we'll build tomatoes on this one and then we'll put corn on this. Right, and then, right, right. You know, making a biodiversity, they're just like killing it by just constantly planting that one thing. So I don't know. And and their goal is money. Well, of course. So I, mean, so I don't know the if they're like really trying to, there's that devious conspiracy behind it. Right. I get right? it. Yeah, yeah. But there is the conspiracy that they are destroying the land and they are legitimately destroying this. And and, and you can't, and and you can't sit there and and say that they don't know that they are. That's the second side. And I mean, and they, they have to know, right. Oh, right. But, but they care about money. They care about profits more than feeding the people. And, you know, the things they're feeding us are sprayed with chemicals and Mm -hmm. all, all of these things. And, and also transferred, thousands of miles oh and the gas and everything you know, like yeah. and these trucks yeah. and everything so there is a conspiracy against our food and that is a great control system so they're he, really, he's right I mean, in that respect i mean that absolutely because how do you control somebody you, you starve some people there they'll do yeah. whatever damn near anything whatever yeah. and i mean and it's so basic and it's so simple but we all need food and clean drinking water and you it know, all comes down to that just so basic. And and it is. And he, But here's the thing. It, it's funny you say that. And, and it's, you know, quick. So I listened to comedian years ago, and he was talking about that. He says, yeah, the government's paid me not to grow food. You know, my uncle walks out, wakes up at noon, make sure there's no food growing. Like, you know, it sounds fucking funny, but it's a thing. And there's programs that have done that. And when you say it's so simple, you know, we, well, we food and clean water, when there's places in this country – uh, they don't have either. They don't have either. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's I mean, food what deserts, the fuck? You like know? these inner, inner city kids that have never mm-hmm. actually had a vegetable in their life. Yeah. They have no clue. They eat processed food. And I mean, I'm, you know, I do not have the best diet by any you stretch and me of both, the imagination. Brother. Yep. I get it. So like, let me preface this by saying like, 
you know, I'm no holier than now. <laughs> We're not uh, a bunch of hippy dippies over all here. All I that, do is eat zucchini right. and uh-huh. fucking be better than I everyone. have kale for cereal and this is my thing. No, 100%. You know. But what I'm saying is like this is probably one of the most important issues to date. I, I, absolutely. It is. Well, and then like, the, so like if Oh, sorry to cut you off, but like no, no. if our economy collapsed, right? Our economy mm-hmm. collapsed, the dollar goes to even shittier than it is. You know, everybody's lost their jobs. You know, it's just another Great Depression or something. Yeah. If you have a food forest in the backyard or your neighbor has a food forest and you're growing an annual garden, you know, like, but like all of these neighbors are growing food. You're going to be okay. Yeah. To, to a certain exactly. degree. Yeah. yeah. You, yeah. you know, Agreed. like there's going to be struggles with this and that. But as far as like filling your stomach. Mm-hmm. That won't be one of your concerns. That, and you know what? The, and if that's not one of your concerns, then that means that productivity gets to go elsewhere and you exactly. get to do other things. And that's the whole thing. And it sounds dumb. You know, we talked about a little bit on the podcast where, you know, people, it's conditioning, right? People are so used to go, well, shit, I'm fucking good example. I went to a grocery store here. It's kind of a high-end one. You know, it, it's a, I guess, um, you know, if I compared Salt Lake, it's a, a Harmon, say, right? Kind of high-end. You know, they got sure. organics, all this other stuff. Um, they had no chicken. Like, they had no chicken. Not chicken tenders, not chicken breasts, no nothing. So you look at this on a smaller scale to where, you know, and granted, we're in the middle of the mess that we're in. I get that. But when you get to the point that, you know, you have swaths of shelves that are empty of a certain product or certain thing. And this was before our pass was shut down. This is before the snowstorm. Things were getting delivered on a timely basis. But it almost like when you talk about a, and I hate to use the word conspiracy, but you talk about that, that it's happening in these little tiny pigeon holes if that makes sense like just little you know we're, we're gonna stop the supply here just a little tidbit or we're gonna do this over here just a little tidbit people see that on a on a grander note you know th- that's yeah. it's a thing you know or well you know you, you it's happened before like mm-hmm. during world war ii like things have been rationed yep this yep. gets rationed you know and it's like if i got a f- backyard full of food i don't, I don't have, have to worry about ration that. anything i can feed yeah. my family i can feed the families around me yep and gladly and, because and, you know and, and you're you shit you're not you gonna eat all really, that and you can't really control me that right. way it's like well you need to take your rations i don't need your rations i right. have everything i need in right. my backyard and my neighbors also have all that like so it becomes a co-op it becomes like a community exactly. and you're creating a a, a you're actually creating a community after that, especially if you kind of need that food. Like, Hey neighbor, you have lettuce and tomatoes. I mm-hmm. have fucking peaches and yeah. almonds or, yeah. you know, yeah, whatever, let's, let's collaborate. Whatever, you know? whatever yeah. grows in your climate as well. Like, right. I mean, and I think it's important. I think that's missing, you know, like you, you know, use World War II as an example. We don't turn into Hawaii where the whole island now is their favorite food is spam because that was what they were rationed during World mm-hmm. War II. And now it's just into their weird tradition. And literally, yeah. it is in yeah. their tradition now. You know, oh, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's is a crazy. Yeah. It, it's crazy to think like that, but it can happen. We joke about it, but you know, it's happened in the, in the past and it's going to happen in the future. I'm sure it, it definitely will. And you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, I don't, I can't really see a more important thing to be involved in. Likewise. I, I don't either. I mean, with everything. And on top of the fact is, you know, it, it, you're doing good for your fellow man when you have more, you you know, there's no way you're going to eat 
you know, such and such pounds of potatoes or whatever have you, or nuts or whatever tree you have in, in your food forest, you're going to be giving that away or, or at least maybe making a little bit of profit, but not a lot of profit, but helping somebody down the road, yeah. uh, you know, and that's what co-ops mean. And that's what these farmer markets mean. And, and it's just neat to see it. It's neat to be part of that. Um, and, and again, you know, for a long time, we're like, you know, we moved back. I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? What a waste of water. We have like, there's, there was like 70 fires in the fucking state of Washington last year. Yeah. And, and here we are, here I am watering my front lawn. Well, and you know? when you get, when you get a perennial food forest going on, that actually takes less water. It, it Yeah, because absolutely. Those it's self-sustaining and it just mm-hmm. does that. It's a thing. And so. I mean, and then you can use all that water for your annual gardens that you need. Cause you do need, you know, you, you need your annuals. Yeah. In. Yeah, but like, exactly. But the water you're saving with all your food for us then can be used for that. And you're not just watering along. Right. Right. No, a hundred percent agree with you. Uh, you know what? I, I reached out to you yesterday. You and Josh both said, Hey, I'm thinking about having this guy on. What do you think? Um, I'm glad we did. You know, Jim's kind of a, you know, like I said, he, he's a entrepreneur. Yes. Obviously he's got a company. He's making money out of it, but you know, at the, at the taking it away after the interview, I really believe he loves what he does. I really believe he wants to share that wealth and he wants to share that know-how across the board. He wants we us to be better as a society and as a people. And and I, I you know that's what I take away from a lot of that. You know, aside from just having food on the table. You know, there's yeah. all these these side products and these byproducts of 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 just doing that. It, it, yeah. it and none of them well, are negative. You know, and you know everybody I've met in the permaculture world is like that. And also there's no, there's nothing wrong with making money on things. We all need to make money. We're all trying to make money. Um, and this is the best way to make money. Like, well, honestly, he said he's a capitalist through and through, like, you know, he believes in it because this is what makes the world go around. I just, it's, there's a limit between being a capitalist and being, uh, after somebody's throats. And yep. you have these people above us that are making these calls and they're shaking hands behind closed Senate doors to put a dam in Africa that, you know, wipes out this whole fucking tribe that nobody cared about. Like this shit has happened in history over and over and yep. over again. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. So we'll continue. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, the power is in gardening. Which is crazy. <laughs> That's a good so tattoo. Crazy, you you know? should put that tattoo, dude, just yeah. <laughs> right there on your arm. Just done deal. So yeah. No, that's awesome. It was great having him on. Um, yeah, Jim Gale, everybody. It was fantastic, and, and I think I definitely took something away from it. Of course, John, you you and, and Tori already had your foot in the ground with a lot of this stuff, and and uh, you know, and it was great being part of that when I was in Salt Lake. I'm more than happy to help you guys because it was like, holy shit, this is badass. I mean, you, know? you and Josephina helped us a ton. I'm I'm really excited to see what this spring looks like as far as – you know, I was going to say, you got to take pictures. You got to see like once everything kind of, mm-hmm. so this is the second year, right? So you probably won't the second year. Probably won't get a lot of harvest this year. You're no, thinking probably about three not. to four. Yeah. Yeah. No, but there were some cherry trees that were already starting to produce at the end of the year. Not like producing by any like, yeah, but, but growing, it, you could tell there, there was a something. couple cherries on there and yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, all right, this is yeah doing its thing. You know, it's, it's well, like I process. said, my neighbor has chickens. So we're going to, you know, we're thinking about doing chickens. We're going to think about, you Dude, know, chickens what the this best, looks man. like. Yeah. And, and he talks about the perimeter. That's why I have a chicken tunnel around the perimeter. Cause they take away all the bugs. And if you ever think about like crappy weeds growing and mm-hmm. everything, it always starts from the outside and works its way in. Yep. Absolutely. So that's why you always have to work from the outside and that's why i have the chicken tunnel on the outside because they're eating all the bugs all the 
all the weeds so that it prevents well, that from making its way in. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you clarified that too because, you know, me, dummy, I was thinking, oh, wait, you know, so you got like the perimeter four to five feet in. It's going to be lawn and then you can make the middle of your food forest, but it makes absolute sense. You're going to reverse that. You know, you can still have your little postage stamp lawn for your dogs or whatever you want, mm-hmm. but then that perimeter, you can, you know, you can build out whatever that looks like. And, and, and yeah. it makes sense. You know, if you think, absolutely. I think my thing is, and, and this is just me being a fucking asshole and I'm in a retentive, is making sure it looks aesthetically pleasing. I don't want it to look like it's nobody's taking care of it no so, it has, you know. i mean that's me too so, i mean it has to look good but yeah, yeah that's the thing is it can but and and that's the thing so that, that's mean, have you ever line. walked into a yard where just awesome trees and everything mm-hmm. and you ever went man this looks like fucking shit <laughs> exactly like, yeah you no never have no one has ever walked into yeah, yeah. just a beautiful like place with tons of trees and yeah. tons of you know there's the seven layers you know you got all these bushes like no one is like, even if the design isn't that great, you've never been like, man, fuck this place. Yeah, I don't know what these fucking people are thinking. They're so out it's to like lunch. city, Chicago, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, Am I in Harlem? What fucking happened here? No, fucking fair enough, dude. That's awesome. That's cool. Well, everybody, hopefully you like that. Um, like I said, you know, we promised this season that we're going to bring, you know, and again, this is a little bit shit. We're in weird times. So I think this conversation falls right in line with you. Uh, we're here to help you, you know, and, and like you said, John, there there is a tad bit of conspiracy going on and it's not going to stop. And I think I don't honestly, I don't think it's one of those. And you were alluding to it, maybe not a pre-planned conspiracy, but you see people high up there making the money and making the bucks and they see something happen and they go, wait a minute, we can benefit from that. And they shift their gears and they make sure that they get the benefit from what's happening. And I think that just is, is, it's an involvement. It's an evergreen process. It always changes. And, you know, speaking of the inner city, like these, these people, unfortunately don't know, they haven't had the opportunity yeah. To know what, you know, gardening and a fresh vegetable right. tastes like. And I think it's really important that we kind of start growing because there's grass in inner cities and like yeah. big cities and everything. There's places to grow things, you know, instead of that, we really need to be like educating these people in these big cities and everything like best we can. Hey, instead of this little piece of grass, like let's grow a peach tree or let's grow this, like, you know, Plenty yep. of land to grow things. It's yep. just all about education. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I grew up with like a truck gardens, literally the whole backyard was a garden. Like, and I just never put two and two together. But like you said, you know, they busted their ass all year long for annuals when in reality, you know, shit, we had 10 acres. We could have taken a spot of that and did something different, but it just wasn't, that's not what their just wasn't in their culture i guess they're dynamic mm-hmm. i mean whatever it is you know yeah so yeah anyway no all good stuff all good stuff um so stand by for more folks with that being said we've got some patreon stuff coming your way strangers so stand by for some of that stuff um if you like jim Gaylor, you've got questions about uh you know i can't believe we're saying this is strange uncles food forest abundancy whatever that means <laughs> uh we will be more than happy to help you uh you can call us at 801-252-69 Food force. 40, 45. You can actually write us too if you, uh, you know, if you, hey, you guys forget about this. You never talked about this. Be more happy to. Um, Strangejuggles at gmail.com. As far as promos go, Josh is out, but again, we're on all pop, uh, podcast platforms. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Um, we're not on Facebook. Sorry, guys. We got YouTube stuff out there. Did get a couple bites off YouTube. Um, we actually had somebody reach out and go, man, we loved your whole talk on the Skinwalker Ranch. We love having that guest on that you had on, which is Larry's wife, um, just blew them out of the water. And it was really kind of great to kind of hear good feedback from that. And so hopefully as we get time, 
you know, we can add some of that, uh, add some of that out there. You know, YouTube is another beast of its own that, you know, we really don't mess with, but we probably should, but you know, here we are with this thing. But we've got more guests coming up and everything else. And it's, man, John, it's been fun. I mean, I, you know, I miss Josh. Yeah. Hopefully he's doing good. Um, but thanks for pitch hitting this with me. And yeah, yeah. You got anything to follow up on? Nope. Uh, just thanks for listening. And uh, we appreciate it. And, you know, yeah. There you go. Just man, uh, a few words. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> keep on keeping on. With that being said, thanks, everybody. And close the gates.